How are we doing 12 o'clock? Doing good? Awesome, awesome. My name is Jason. I am the pastor here at Hope City Church, and we're just so glad that you're here today. Uh, if you're a guest with us, thank you for coming. It's a big deal that you're here, and if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I'd love to get to do that, or, or one of our team members would love to, to get a chance to do that. I want to start the last week of this series that we're in by asking this question. And I'm going to ask it, and then I'm going to give you just a moment to think about it. But here, here's the question. Who is the most humble person that you know? Take a second and think about that. Who, who is the most humble person that you know? Now, you may have had someone come to mind really quickly, but probably for most of us, it took some time to think of the most humble person that we know. Maybe for some of you, you're still kind of uh, scrambling a little bit, trying to come up with a name, and it's not because we don't know anyone humble. I would be willing to bet that you know a lot of, of humble people. So you, you didn't not think of someone because you don't know anybody humble. The reason that we struggle to answer that question is because we're not exactly sure what humility is. So if I were to say to you, hey, who's the most selfless person that you know? Pretty quickly, you'd be like, oh, this person always, you know, just helps people and puts other people first. And you'd come up with a name pretty quickly for that one. If I was to say, who's the most generous person that you know? You would think about somebody who's always doing these generous things, and you know what generosity looks like, and so you would come up with a name pretty quickly. But when it comes to humility, we're not exactly sure what it is. And we all kind of have these different questions. Like, for example, can you be humble but also be loud? Or, or do you have to be shy to, to, be, to be humble? Um, can you be confident and be humble? Or, or do are or, or humble people like insecure and, uh, you know, is, is it that? Um, can, you, uh, can you be successful and be, and be humble? Uh, what, what about this one? Um, if, if the person that you are thinking of knows that you think they're humble, are they actually humble? Are they, are they, still, are they still humble? Or if you become more humble, are you allowed to talk about it, right? If, if you're humble but people know that you're humble, are you actually humble? I mean, these are all questions that we have. And the struggle with humility is the more humble you are, the more people love how humble you are. So they keep elevating you up because they go, oh, he's just so humble. It's like, no, I'm really, hey, see, even now, he's just so humble. And like, so people keep praising your humility and we, and we struggle with that. And so I've been asking that question all week to people preparing for this message because I, I was less interested in the name that they would name, but more interested in what were some of the characteristics that they would use to describe humility. Um, and, and, and I wanted to, to, to figure out a little more about, about humility, like, could we get any clearer, a clearer picture of what it is? And so I decided to go to the dictionary. I said, okay, I'm going to search for humility because I want to dig down a little deeper. What is humility? What does it look like? So I went to the dictionary, and I looked up the word humility. And this was very helpful. This will maybe help you. So I looked up the word humility, and this is what it said. It said that humility is the state of being humble. So there you go. I think that, I think that solves it for everybody. I think it makes... Perfect sense now. Uh, no, okay, so I'm, I'm one of those people that my intelligence level, like, I gotta look up multiple words to get to what I wanna find in the dictionary, all right? So, so I looked up humble, and this is what the dictionary said the definition for humble was. 
is having a modest view of one's importance. Having a modest view of one's importance. So if I just had to put a little Jason slang on that, here's how I would define, uh, here's how I would use, define that and use that definition. I think a humble person is someone who doesn't act or think like they're more important than they actually are. I think a humble person is someone who doesn't act or think that they're more important than they actually are. It's not that they're not important, and it's not even that they don't recognize their importance. They just don't overvalue themselves. It's not that a humble person downplays all the, the importance and the meaning and the responsibility in their life. Like if you were getting ready to go into battle, if you're a, you know, a soldier and you're getting ready to go into battle, you, you would love to follow a humble leader, but you don't want your general to be like, I don't know, guys. I mean, I don't know a lot about this. You know, we'll go out there, shoot some guns. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, you know, I'm not really that smart. I don't really know much about it. You don't want that. You want your leader to, like, know what he's talking about. And, you know, if you're building a house, you don't want your general contractor to be like, you know, we'll throw up some walls. I've built a couple houses. I don't know exactly. No, you want them to know how important they are in the process. You just don't want them to act or think that they're more important than they are. Everybody wants friends who have humility. Everybody wants to follow a leader who has, who has humility. And so you can be humble and important, but at its core, a humble person is someone who doesn't believe that they're as great as you say they are, right? So let me ask the question again. Who is the most humble person that you know? Another way that you could think of it is, is who is the best kept secret that you know? That, that you know how great they are, but maybe they don't even know how great they are, but especially the people uh, around you don't know how great they are. Like who is that mom who is an amazing mom and you watch how they raise their kids and you watch how they lead their home and, and, and every time you bring it up, they're like, no, oh my goodness, no way, not me. But when you are thinking of great moms, like they're at the top of the list, but nobody knows it because they're not talking about it. They're not posting pictures online of like their perfect family and you know, all that stuff. But, but you know, like they are a hidden gem, Right? Who's the most generous person you know, but nobody really knows that because they do everything anonymously. You accidentally found out about something generous that they did. They don't want to talk about it. They get very embarrassed or ashamed. They know that generosity is important, and they know that they are a generous person, but they don't make it about themselves. Successful people, wealthiest people, they have a modest lifestyle, or they are successful, but they're not always touting their accomplishments. You have to pull it out of them a little bit, but they're the person that if you needed career advice or business advice, you would go to them because you know that they're successful, but really the reason you would go to them is because they are a humble, successful per person. Now, the reason I'm asking about humility today is, is because we are closing out our series, Long Hair, Don't Care, about the tragic life of Samson. And as we finish the story today, we are going to see a quality in Samson that we've never seen before. We are going to see humility, that Samson is going to exhibit humble qualities because Samson has been humbled. Okay, now if you haven't been here for this series, I want to just give you the cliff notes 
And let me, let me catch you up really quickly so you can join right along with us for this last week, okay? Samson is a childhood Bible story. Maybe you've heard about it uh, before. You know some of the, the highlights of the story. But Samson was a miracle baby. His parents were not able to have children, and so an angel showed up and told them that they were going to have a son. And so he was a miracle child. But God asked of Samson and his family that he adhere to or stick to what the Bible would describe as the Nazarite vow. And and the Nazarite vow was something that was in the Bible that people would do for short periods of time. But God was asking Samson to live his whole life according to the Nazarite vow. And the Nazarite vow was three simple things. Number one, you couldn't drink wine. Number two, you could not touch unclean or, or dead animals. And number three, you couldn't cut your hair. And so those three commitments were given to Samson. His family agreed to abide by those. But we see very quickly, as we find out about Samson, the adult, we see very quickly that he is not committed to his faith. He's not committed to this uh, commitment that he made to God. He's bending rules. He's cutting corners. Eventually, he's just flat out breaking rules. And, And so it's obvious that Samson is not taking God seriously. He's not committed to his relationship with God. But at the same time, what is also obvious is that God continues to use Samson in these unbelievable, incredible, supernatural ways. So if you're in here and you have this kind of religious view of God that said that, you know, it says that God would never bless bad people, God would never use bad people, bad things happen to bad people, good things happen to good people, well, then the story of Samson is really going to mess you up because Samson is this hypocritical, chauvinistic, sex-crazed guy who keeps making wrong decisions, but for reasons that we are not necessarily aware of, God continues to give him supernatural ability and supernatural strength. And so, and so what, what we take away from this story and what we have taken away from this story up to this point is that God uses flawed people. That you don't have to be perfect to be used by God because if you did, nobody would be used by God. And that God, while he is calling us to change our life and turn our life around, he still uses us in ways, giving us this, this opportunity, right? How many people in the room, you would say, I'm a flawed person, let me see your hand, Okay, all right, so you're a flawed person, so that means that you are uh, in the running to be used by God greatly. And so God loves you too much to disqualify you from doing something great, but he also loves you too much to let you stay where you are. So there is a shelf life to a double life, and that's what we see in Samson's story. So God uses flawed people, but we've also learned in this story that flawed people use God. That God uses flawed people, but flawed people use God. So the first week we talked about flawed people, that these people in this story that Samson was born into, they're flawed people, that they have this cycle. They cry out to God for help when they need help, but then once God helps, they forget about God. Maybe that feels or sounds familiar to you. And so God says, okay, if I'm going to raise up a leader for the people, I don't want him to be like everybody else. I want him to stand out, that when everybody else is sold out, God looks for people who will stand out. That's what we talked about. And because God wanted Samson to make a difference, he wanted Samson to be different. And I don't want him to be like everybody else, compromising and spiritually, uh, you know, uh, compromising. And so I want him to be, I want him to be different because I want him to make a difference. And so then the second week, we talked about flawed parents. We looked at Samson's parents and that while it's important to know what we do and what we don't do, it's it, what we shouldn't do. It's, it's more important to know why we don't do and do what we do because why power will always be stronger than willpower. We talked about that. And then the third week, we talked about a flawed path. And that was just this idea that Samson was on this path 
this dangerous path in his life where he was compromising and near things he shouldn't be and doing things he shouldn't do. And Samson didn't talk about it. He couldn't talk about his struggles. And so what we said for that week is that whatever you are afraid to talk about will eventually be what everybody talks about once your secret comes out, because it will come out. And so we have to share and talk about what it is that we're going through. And so we ask the question, what are you doing that you hope no one finds out about? And whatever the answer to that question is, you need to tell somebody. You need to talk about it. And then last week, we talked about a flawed plan. That Samson's plan was to get serious about God when he needed to get serious about God. That he drew a line in the sand way away and he said, between where I am and my line, I can do whatever I want, but I'll never cross that line. But that never works. We learned that last week because if you keep doing what you know you shouldn't do, you'll eventually do what you said you'd never do. And so Samson keeps getting closer and closer to the line and he eventually crosses the line because we fall in love with things that are off limits. And so when he finally was ready to get serious, the Bible says he didn't realize that God had left him. It's this idea that, that eventually you end up farther away than you ever planned on being and stay longer than you ever planned on staying. It's a messed up plan. So up to this point in the story, we've talked about flawed people, talked about flawed parents, talked about a flawed path, talked about a flawed plan. And today, for this last week of this story of Samson, we are going to talk about a flawed a flawed finish, all right? A flawed finish. And we're gonna be in Judges chapter 16, verse 22. And today we get to see a side of Samson that we've never seen before, all right? Now where we left off, Samson had been captured in Delilah's house, his head was shaved, his eyes had been gouged out, and he was imprisoned by his enemies. And for most of us in the room, we have this religious side to us that when I say to you, Samson was captured and, and imprisoned. We go, there's this part of us, whether we like it or not, there's this part of us that's like, well, serves him right. Serves him right. I mean, you know, he, he kept breaking rules. He kept doing what he shouldn't supposed to be, you know, wasn't supposed to do and serves him right. And if we want to get really honest about these sick, dark parts of our heart, we would take it a step further and say, not only does it serve him right, but I've been working my, my, my hardest to be a good person, to be honest, to show up to work on time. And not only do I get a little bit excited when, when people I don't like fall, but I also feel entitled like God owes me something instead of them always landing on their feet. What about me, God? Because I'm not as bad as they are. And it's this religious side of us. But the Bible doesn't talk about Samson that way. We hear about Samson's awful habits and, and decisions, and we think, yeah, he's a, he's a write-off, he's a cast-off. But that's not what the Bible says. And we're going to read Judges 16, 22 in just a second. But before, I just want to read you this verse. You don't have to find it. I just want to read it to you. I read it to you the first week. But it's so interesting to me how the Bible describes this guy that we think is really kind of a waste, right? This is what it says in Hebrews eleven thirty two. 32. This is, this is the writer giving us kind of the hall of fame of faith. That's not a real thing. I made that up. But it's kind of the hall of fame of faith. And this is what it says in verse 32. It says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, and here it is, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. This guy just put Samson in the list with David and Gideon and Samuel and the prophets. Samson? He gets to be in the list, right? 
It says, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with injustice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lion, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness, and we know Samson had a lot of weaknesses, and we know that you and me have a lot of weaknesses. Their weakness was turned to strength, and they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Even though up to this point in the story, Samson has been a massive letdown, okay, the way his story ends puts him in a category of the Hall of Fame. Now, what's crazy is that most of you, I even had somebody after the first service talk to me about this, that most of you, most of us, only know Samson's story up to Delilah. That if I was to say, hey, do you know, you know, tell me what you know about Samson, oh, he had hair, strength, shaved off, Delilah, and that's where the story stops. But that's not the end of the story. If the story ended right there, he wouldn't have made it into Hebrews 11.32 because he would just would have been another name and a long line of guys who had great potential but ended up, you know, compromising and, and falling away. But the end of Samson's story that we're going to read that maybe you've never heard before today, the end of the story that we're going to read is a reminder that no matter where you are right now or what you've done in your past, you can still do amazing things for God. No matter how many time, nights you've spent in jail, bankrupts, divorced, no matter how many kid, your kids have said, I hate you, run away, no, no matter how many times you've been in the back of a cop car, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you want to change your story, you get to change your story. And that God will give you a chance to be who he created you to be. All right, so let's read Judges chapter 16, verse 22. We're going to read the end of Samson's story. This is what it says. It says, but, everybody say but. Now, it's important you know what's before the but. So before the but was Delilah had sold him out. He had just been captured, eyes plucked out, head shaved. He's now a prisoner. But before long, I love that, that God is... Not gonna make you, he's not punishing you for a decade or three decades or 10 decades. That's a name for 10 decades, called century. But anyway, he's not, he didn't make you wait forever. Before long, Samson's hair began to grow back. Verse 23 the Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their God. That's a lowercase g God. His name was Dagon. They said, Our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. And when the people, Saw him, they praised their God, lowercase g, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Verse 25, half drunk by now. Does that at the start of any sentence is just gonna, we're just, whatever we're about to read, just know if the sentence starts with half drunk by now, comma, is not gonna be good. Okay? Just that's free advice for you. The people demanded, have drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. That was a bad idea. 26. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, I just love this picture of dependence. That Samson was this cocky, arrogant, do whatever I want, not listen to anybody guy, but he's about to do the greatest thing he's ever done for God, and he is blind being led by the hand by a child. He can't go anywhere that the kid won't take him. He is completely dependent, which is exactly the place where the greatest things you ever accomplish will be accomplished. 
He was led by the hand, and he says, place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. He was kind of lying a little bit, but that's all right. We'll keep going. 27, now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. 28, then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Now let's stop because we're going to finish the story in just a second. But before we go any further, I think it's important that we stop and recognize what a big deal that this prayer was for Samson. You know, for five weeks, we've been reading through the story of Samson, amazing feat after amazing feat, strength and supernatural miracles. We've been reading it over and over and over again. But do you know what we have not found in any of the stories that we've read about Samson? Prayer. He didn't pray. There's only one time before what we just read, there's only one time documented that Samson prayed. Now, maybe he prayed more and it didn't just make it in the story, but it's always significant the way that the Bible tells the story. And so here is this miracle child chosen by God with supernatural strength who is God's deliverer for the people and he never prays. He only prayed one other time before his head was shaved and his eyes were plucked out. And I think it's important if he's only prayed twice in his life, we just read one, I think it's important we look at what the other prayer was. It's in chapter 15. It's not gonna be up on the screen, but I just wanna read this to you. Chapter 15, verse 18. This is Samson's first prayer that we ever see written down or documented. Samson's prayer. This is before Delilah. This is before the humbling. He says, it says, Samson was now very thirsty, And he cried out to the Lord. Here's his prayer. You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. If I could paraphrase, Samson's like, God, I just did you a major awesome favor. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? Do you know who talks like this? Children. I have four of them. And when they're thirsty, they're like, Dad, I'm going to die of thirst. I'm going to die. You know, I mean, whatever it is, right? Children talk like that, right? And so here is Samson and his prayer, the only prayer that we have written down before what we got to today, the only prayer that we ever have of Samson to God is, God, I am out here doing amazing things, God, and I'm thirsty, and you're not giving me anything to drink. What are you going to do about that? That's, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what he said. Is that Samson is throwing a temper tantrum to God, and he is saying, God, I'm awesome. You're lucky to have me, so get me something to drink. That was Samson's only prayer to God until he was humbled, and his head was shaved, and his eyes were plucked out, and he's dependent, and he's been sitting in a jail cell, and he's been running through all the decisions he's made in his life, and realized the untapped potential an opportunity that he had squandered and wasted. And so now he is going to, to be in front of these people and maybe for the first time in his life he actually recognizes an opportunity. And this time he prays. And this time he says, not, 
God, I'm awesome. Give me something to drink. This time he says, sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistine for the loss of my two eyes. Let me paraphrase it. Humble Samson says, God, I used to think I was awesome, but I've realized now that I'm not awesome. Sovereign Lord, you are awesome. You're awesome. And you don't owe me anything, and you've been good to me, and I wasted it my whole life, and so if you don't want to do it, that's fine. You don't have to do it. But God, if there's any way, any way, God, that just one more time you could give me strength. I would love to do what you created me to do. I recognize now, this is my purpose. I recognize now why you birthed me and why you created me, and I've wasted up to this moment, but God, if you'll give me one chance. It's interesting, Samson opens his prayer by saying, Sovereign Lord. Now, in case you don't know what the word sovereign means, let me just explain it to you. Sovereign means that God is in control. That not only is he in control in a general way, but when we say that God is sovereign, what we're saying is that God is moving the chess pieces of life. And so when somebody recognizes God as sovereign, what they're saying is that God is in charge ordering my steps, and that even if I'm in a place I don't want to be or a place I never thought I would be or a place that I would never choose for myself, because God is sovereign, I believe that he knows what he's doing even if I don't know what he's doing and I'm trusting that he's going to do something good out of this. That's what sovereign means. And so here is shaved head, blind, no eyes, Samson. And he says to God, hey, the God who is in control, who knows what he's doing, who knows where I am and has a plan for my life. That's quite a way to open a prayer. There's all kinds of ways to open a prayer. Jesus said when we pray, say our Father. It's important to view God as a Father. But sometimes we, sometimes we start our prayers with like, dear God, oh God, please God, right? So I, that, we pray that sometimes. Sometimes we, we, we pout to God. Why me, God? You know, there's all kinds of different ways to pray. But humble Samson prays, sovereign, sovereign God. Do you, do you see the difference? Cocky Samson's like, God, you're lucky to have me, so give me something to drink. Humble Samson says, God, I'm lucky to have you. If you'd let me, I'd like to do something for you. It's a different kind of prayer but Samson's a different kind of man. 29, let's finish the story. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. Verse 30 says, he what? What's that word there? He prayed. This joker has prayed one time in 20 years, and he's praying two times in 60 seconds. It's almost as if he is so dependent on God that he doesn't want to take another action without praying about it first. He spent his whole life not praying about anything, and now he's praying about everything. He says, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. Paraphrase, I, I don't, it's, I don't, it's not about me, God. I just want to fulfill why you 
created me, my purpose. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. That, that is not an accident. It is not an accident that Samson, who was humbled and completely dependent on God, accomplished more in that one moment of dependency on God than he did in his whole life combined on his own strength with his own power and his own ideas. And some of us in the room today are frustrated because we have big dreams or big ideas. We want to do big things with our life, but we are still not living in dependence on God. That we think that God will just bless our efforts. But that's not the way. He does bless our efforts, but that's not the way that we accomplish something significant. The way that we accomplish something significant is God I want to do what you want me to do. And I don't deserve to get to do what you want me to do, but if you would be gracious enough to empower me and enable me to do it, then I would be honored to do it. We don't say, God, I want to be successful, so make me successful. We say, God, if you want me to be successful because there's a purpose for my life, if you would give me the opportunity, I don't deserve to be successful, but if you would give me the opportunity to be successful because it's what you want to do for my life, you want to use me in that way, I would be honored to be able to do that. God, I don't deserve to be a parent, but if you see fit and would remember me one more time to give me a child, I would be honored. I don't deserve it, but if you would do it. God, if you would get me out of this mess, whatever it is, whatever we would pray, it's not, God, you owe me. It's, God, I owe you. I'm humbled if you would give me a chance. And so here's Samson accomplishing more in one moment, blind and dependent on God, than he did his whole life combined, strong, never paying attention to God. Last verse. Later, his brothers and other relatives went down to get his body. They took him back home and buried him between Zor and Eshtal, where his father Manoah was buried. Samson had judged Israel for 20 years. That's it. That's the story. That's Samson's story. And I have to admit that every time I read the end of the story, yes, I love the fact that God redeems my failures. And yes, I love the fact that I can rewrite my story and that God doesn't give up on me. Like, like I don't want to discount the fact that Samson made it into Hebrews 11. Like, he's in the Hall of Fame of faith, right? But isn't it also true, and I think maybe you feel this as well, that when you read this, there is this little disappointing feeling of what could have been. If somehow Samson could have tapped into those last two hours of his life and lived his whole life that way, what could have happened? When I read the end of this story, I always ask myself the question or think to myself, what could have been? What could have been? What if Samson had found humility before humiliation? What if he had become humble and learned how to be humble without blowing his life up? 
we only get 20 years? We only get 20 years? What if? What if? Yes, Samson fulfilled the purpose of his life. The purpose of his life was to destroy the Philistines, and he did that. Yes, of course he did, because God knows what he's doing, and God works all things together for good. And we love that verse. God works all things together for good. Isn't that an amazing verse? But it doesn't have to be the theme of our life. You know what I mean? We don't have to go, well, you know, I'm a failure, but God works everything together for good. I'm a drunk, but God works everything together for good. I'm a terrible spouse, but God works everything together for good. I'm abandoning my children, but God works everything. Like, yes, that's true. And if you're here today and you have a long list of failures, you know what I want you to know? God works everything together for good. But if you haven't ruined your life yet, you don't have to ruin it just to see if God works everything together for good. You know what I mean? And so, and so Samson gets to the finish line of his life, but I think we could all admit in some way, in some fashion, is a flawed finish. That because God is God, he was able to bring purpose out of a pretty disastrous situation. But what if Samson had figured it out before he blew his life up? Well, I think if Samson was here today, if we had a few minutes left and we set two chairs up on this stage and we said, Samson, listen, help us, Samson, guide us, mentor us, Samson, how could we and how can we avoid the fall that, 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 that happened to you? Because listen, there's, there's a Samson in all of us. All of us are tempted to only call on God when we need him. All of us are tempted to lie about what we struggle with. All of us are tempted to draw a line and swear we'll never cross it. All of us are tempted to believe we'll be serious about our faith when we need to be serious about our faith. Don't fool yourself. Samson is a lot like you and you're a lot like him. So if that's true, and it is, and we could bring Samson up here and we could say, Samson, we're a lot like you and you're a lot like us. So Samson, knowing what you know, going through what you've been through, Samson, what would you say, how could we avoid the fall that you experienced? I think Samson would tell us five things, and I'm going to fire them off at you real quick, just based on the story that we read. I think Samson would tell you five things. Number one, I think Samson would say failure is not final. I think Samson would say God is good. He would start with encouragement. He would say God is so good that even when you mess it all up, he makes something awesome out of it. And if you want to rewrite your story, God will let you rewrite your story. And some of you in the room today, you need to hear that. You need to know that, that you keep disqualifying yourself. You keep saying no for God. And he's not saying no. You can rewrite your story. You do not have to be known by the dumbest thing you ever did or the worst thing you ever did or the biggest failure that you ever had. That no matter where you are right now, you could be in the hall of fame of faith. It's not a real place, but you know what I mean. I think Samson would say failure's not final. But I think Samson would also say, the second thing I think he'd say is pray more. Samson, how can, we, how can we have humility without humiliation? I think he would say pray more. I didn't pray enough. I didn't pray enough. Unfortunately, and fortunately, I've had the chance to sit across the table from many pastors and ministers and husbands and businessmen who have had big time moral failures and lost their church and lost their family. And I try to always be a friend in those moments and take them out to eat and just talk to them and encourage them. But I also always ask the question, hey, tell me what happened because I wanna look out for my friends. 
but I also want to look out for me, and how do I avoid that? And there's different details in every story, but there's some common characteristics in every story. And you know what? Every single time I've asked that question, that in some form or fashion, they've said to me, I stopped reading my Bible and I stopped praying. I stopped reading my Bible and I stopped praying. I stopped spending time with God. I got so busy or I got so distracted or I started believing all the press about me or whatever it was. I only read my Bible when I had to put a sermon together or whatever it was. I stopped reading my Bible and I stopped praying. And the beauty of prayer is that the way it was created is that its posture forces humility. We go to a God who is not obligated to us. We are on our knees. We are like we're in our closet, like prayer, it is almost impossible to be a prayer and be prideful. Even when we're praying wrong, God works it out and, and fixes us because we are going to him in prayer. So it's really hard to be a prayer and be prideful. And so let's look at the two examples. Samson, who was doing amazing things for God, only prayed one time and he pouted. Jesus, who did amazing things for God, over and over and over again, the Bible says Jesus went away to pray, snuck away to pray, left the crowd to pray, Jesus went to pray, Jesus went to pray, Jesus went to pray. Hello, if Jesus had to get away to pray to stay strong, the night before he went to the cross, he went and prayed three times. If Jesus had to pray so that he didn't fall, guess what? We gotta pray. We gotta pray. I think Samson would say, I think Samson would say, pray more. I think Samson would say, the third thing he would say is, listen to your parents. I think he would say, listen to your parents. If you're a student, college student, high school student, middle school student, I I get it. Your parents are are, are not, you know, they're not smart. I get it. They don't know what they're talking about. Totally get it. I agree. They're crazy. But I promise you, one day they're going to make so much sense. And the very first story that we read about Samson as an adult, the very first story, he comes home and says, Mom and Dad, this is what I want. And his mom and dad says, don't do it. It's a terrible idea. And he says, I'm doing it anyway. And it was the first domino to fall and everything else that happened. What if he'd have said, I don't agree with you, but I'm going to trust you no more than I do? It would have worked. It would have worked. Maybe you are at the top of the family tree and you don't have parents or maybe your situation's different. I would say that the principle still stands true. Are you listening to any voices in your life that give you advice you don't want to hear? Because God puts voices in our life to help us not do the things that we want to do because we lie to ourselves. Our heart lies to us. And so we need people that will tell us that. So I think Samson would say, listen to your parents. I think Samson would say, number four, take less credit. Run from the spotlight. Take less credit. Don't promote yourself. Don't, don't act like you got it all together. When people brag on you, to be honest and tell them you, that was luck. You know, it was like, just, just stop positioning yourself and, and presenting this image that, that you are more important than you really are. You're smarter than you really are. Listen, the reality is you are only where you are because God has been gracious enough to let you get there. You say, no, 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 I work hard. I could take you to 10 people who work harder than you. They're not where you are. Well, I, I studied hard. I could take you to 10 people who studied harder than you. Well, I, I, I don't make bad decisions. I could take you to better decision makers. You are where you are because God has you there. And so how ridiculous would it be to take credit for something that is from God? 
from God. I think the last thing Samson would say is choose the right friends. Choose the right friends. You read the story of Samson, he didn't have any friends. It probably wasn't because people didn't try to be his friend. It's probably because he didn't realize or think he needed friends. Samson had no friends. The people who were around him were either using him or he was using them. They were either prostitutes or bad people or even the best men, even the groomsmen in his wedding in chapter 14, his best man married his fiance. Like, that wasn't cool. I mean, he just didn't have any friends. And so Samson spent his whole life trying to make the right decisions in the wrong places surrounded by the wrong people. And I think if Samson were here, he'd say, that doesn't work. It won't work. You don't make right choices when you're in wrong places with the wrong people. Samson would say, find the right people. And when you spend time with the right people, you're going to end up in the right places. And when you're in the right places with the right people, you're going to end up making right choices. And so if your plan to overcome the enemy and temptation and not fall and not cross the line is just stubborn willpower surrounded by the wrong people in the wrong places, it won't work. It won't work. You got to find the right people so you can be in the right places and make the right choices. So all week long, let's close with this. All week long, I have been asking myself this question, praying this prayer to God, and it's my prayer for you. Um, God, I want humility without humiliation. I know God could, I know God could give me humility. He could blow my whole life up, take my reputation, you know, and I, I would be humble. But God, if there's any way that I could Learn humility without the humiliation. Amen. Amen. So God, do that. If pride comes before the fall, and I don't want to fall, guess what? I got to have humility. So God, give it to me. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you give us the chance to learn from our mistakes, to turn around and go the other way. That God, before you put all of our errors and mistakes on blast, you give us a chance with you to make it right. So thank you for that grace and that mercy, God. But God, you also love us too much to let us get away with it. And so God, if, 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 if we refuse to turn from our ways, you will allow us to go through humiliation so that we can find humility. God, my prayer for every person in this room today is that we would be a humble people. If pride comes before the fall, God, we want to not be prideful, so God, keep us from pride and help us to be humble. I pray for the person today, God, who finds themselves 
discouraged and defeated, thinking that they can't do anything great for God because of the failures in their past. God, help them today to know that they're not disqualified, that you're not saying no to them, God, that you want to rewrite their story and do more in their life after the failure than they ever did before combined, God. Thank you, God, that even when we mess it up, you make something beautiful out of it. In Jesus' name, amen.